Hey, what's up, La Familia? You crazy football-loving nutters. This is Ray Hudson, and you are luxuriating in listening to the Inter-Miami podcast with a stupefyingly magnificent Jay and Alex. Two lads who are as electrifying as a hairdryer thrown into a hot tub. Stay tuned, because you know what it's going to be. It's going to be magisterial with an amplifier. The goal scorer, Morgan, and he's done it again. Lewis Morgan with a second of the match. He won't have to I got to be honest, man. It feels so good to be able to be back in the States where I can put my head under the, the faucet and gorge on as much water as I want without having to worry about old Montezuma's revenge coming for me. Oh boy, I bet there's a story just like everyone has a story about Montezuma. Jay, uh, is there a story you can share with us or is everything just rated X and that's just nope. for one around the beer table? Nope, nope, no, no stories coming out of that. Um, an amazing, amazing uh, four nights in Mexico, three in Tulum, uh, one in Cancun. Actually, okay, I will tell one story. Uh, last night in Cancun, uh, night of the Gold Cup final, uh, after, you know, Tulum's like a jungle. It's like a holistic jungle. I mean, it is, there's like the 30 hottest days of the year in Mexico, and we were there at day 21. The heat oh. was violently disrespectful. There was a little, there was a lot of bickering that went on between the group because we were just in the heat for so long, and it really does take a toll. So for the last day, some people stayed in the hostel, some people stayed at my boy who lives in Cancun's house. I was like, screw it, I'm gonna drop the money. I bought her a room at like a resort hotel with a casino and everything. So we all go over there. I just wanted some air conditioning, but we all go over there, go to the casino. We walk in expecting to gamble. And I've been trying to watch as much as the gold cup as I could on the TVs around. Cause I can't stream any ESPN or anything on my phone uh, due to being in Mexico. Um, so we walk in this big room and it's just full of, of Mexico. I mean, you know, we're in Mexico uh, full of Mexicans in there massive tv projection massive massive room but there's like the bar there's like open seats at the very front bar only place to sit so we all eight of us go up there my buddy dom who doesn't even watch any any football or soccer get bought a mexico national team jersey just because he was going to mexico and wanted to represent so like the 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 workers like oh hey what's up man they were like all hyped off him until they realize that we're all Americans and sitting at, at, at the bar with literally 100 Mexicans behind us. Uh, only ones that are rooting for USA. Uh, Miles Robinson hits that, the game winner, the, the very end of extra time, man. And, like, we, like, we're, like, we start cheering. And then we're, like, whoa, we, we got we to gotta draw it back in. We're, like, severely outnumbered with our backs to hundreds of people. Um, but but what, a, what a hell of a game and, and a hell of a night and a hell of a weekend in Mexico, but I, I might've permanently damaged my brain. You know, uh, your boy's going to, going to take as many days off until it takes me to fully, uh, recover and, and get back to normal here. Probably going to enjoy Sunday's game sober, man. I, I mean, Jay, I've known you for a while, but, and I think this is a pretty quick recovery. Sometimes these things can last for, for days, maybe even weeks. But I think the best part about your story is actually 
your impersonation of the Mexican bartender. That that is absolutely hilarious, by the way. Hey, but, I picked up some new Spanish, man. I, it was a uh, it was a good time. It was a it was a really good time. But coupled that after my birthday weekend, which you were there for, man, my body and brain are just are hurt. Well. I'm sure the listeners don't really care about that, or if they do, go ahead and hit us up on private message, and we do have a few stories to tell about that weekend as well. But welcome, everybody, to the Inner Miami Podcast. I am Alex Papa George, joined by Mr. Jay Kington, back from Mexico, back from his 32nd birthday party. We have him in the States for a while, everybody, which is, which is, which is nice to say that you won't be tormenting the rest of the world. But we did have football. We did have our rivalry match. Copa del Sol did happen this last Wednesday night. And, you know, not a loss. Our, our third game in a row without racking an L, which, Jay, that screams progress, my friend. A hundred percent. It feels really good. We're on a three-game unbeaten streak. Uh, we had a chance to win that game. We had a couple chances. Uh, of course, we're getting to they. They we thought they were gonna they were gonna win that game until the soccer gods finally uh, showed some grace <laughs> on us. But I do want to say, uh, people, you're probably noticing a difference in audio quality. That's because we're not together, so we're doing this virtually uh, over the interwebs just to make sure that we can continue to bring everyone content. Uh, but yeah, hell of a game. Uh, I'll go ahead and run through the stats real quick. Uh, overall, uh, possession-wise, it was six, 56% to 44%. Uh, Shot-wise, man, we got out shot. Like, it was crazy. They had 14, and we only had four shots. And I believe the first half stat line on that was like nine shots to one. It was. Uh, yeah, shots on goal, though. Only two for us, four for Orlando. Uh, they had three block shots. We had zero. Uh, as far as total passes, man. 505 total passes for Orlando City, only 387 for Inter Miami. Passing accuracy was not too far off, 89% to 82%. Uh, Orlando had seven corners. We had four corners. Uh, we had two offsides. They had one. Uh, they were up on us on the duels. One, we were up on them on the tackles. One, and Marsman came up with three saves. Uh, chippy game, dude. Really chippy game. Uh, Inter Miami, 19 fouls. Orlando, 12. Uh, no red cards, thank God. Um, but man, Nani, 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 was he up in the ref's face like all day, every day? Or, or like, that's crazy, man. All he does is complain. Uh, we did have one yellow card. That was on Pizarro shortly after entering, and uh, Orlando City uh, had two. But uh, overall, man, like you said, we all, of course, we want the win, but hey, we didn't lose. And that, sir, right there is progress. I think that all Inter Miami fans, we're laughing at Nani and his absolute ballistic type of aneurysms on the court to the on, on the field to the referee. We, uh, if you didn't take pleasure in that as an Inter Miami fan, you know I don't know what you were doing. We got to win these small little battles, and you can tell Nani was getting frustrated. He really wants to win that game, and that's what Copa del Sol is all about. You know, we were talking to some fans out there. Uh, being told that they were getting joshed at, you know, people were talking a little bit of smack to them in the stadium. And all I can say is <laughs> weak showing Orlando City, weak showing in attendance to that match. You come on down to La Familia and you know already what it is. So, you know, their whole program, they're obviously the second team in the Eastern Conference, but La Familia is still number one in the state of Florida. Did you see the the Reddit that fans shared on on Twitter? 
Where hilarious like, you know, like this they're they're like they're puny like they've they've small numbers but they're louder than us and then there was that video shared on the facebook group where they're all jumping up and down in, in unison yelling orlando is a uh expletive spanish word i'm not going to say because this is a family show but now i know what the meaning uh, is after four days in mexico because uh, i thought they were saying what's up man and that's not what they were saying to me in mexico no, Jay, that's not what they were saying to you there, bud. But but the coolest part about that is is that you know we talk about it each and every episode on the Inner Miami podcast, and that is just for since this team's inception, La Familia and the fan base has traveled, has shown up in numbers, and if they don't have numbers, they're gonna set, they're gonna make a hundred people sound like a thousand people, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, up until recently, you know, it, it seems like it's been kind of like a one way relationship. And I think the team has really picked it up over the last three games. You know, again, no L's, two ties, one win against some pretty tough competition. And it's nice to see the team reciprocating that type of energy and enthusiasm. So neither of us could go to the game on Saturday against Montreal. I couldn't even watch it due to the whatever internet policies between Mexico and the United States. I even tried to use a VPN, but I did watch the highlights. I did watch um, after the game. Man, the whole squad went over to supporters, and I think every single player on that team pulled off a jersey and and, and gave it to a supporter. I think that this team uh, has realized that the that the supporters deserve better, uh, and I think that they're starting to really play with an intensity. After Phil said, you know, go, I told him to go home and look in the mirror. You know, do you really want to be here? You know, these fans deserve better. They're the all stars. So to see that sort of um, appreciation and recognition for standing by this team and unwavering and never going silent, always chanting was, was I think a, a very good move on the players part. And I know all the fans are, are very, very pleased with the, the quick turnaround from that six game, you know, losing streak that we had. You're absolutely right. And, you know, Miami too, which has been super impressive. Listen, it, it's, it's pretty easy to lose faith, lose confidence in your team when they're losing, right? That's the easy thing to do. And, you know, it's, I think Miami fans in general get a bad rap, whether that's the Miami Dolphins, whether that's the Marlins, you know, whether that is kind of these South Florida based teams, you know, but I think right now what we're seeing is a true fan base arrive and, you know, support the team through the thick and thin. And obviously, you know, We're, 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 we're pulling out of the bear market and we're jumping into the bull market, hopefully with, uh, with inner Miami, but you know, really the pivotal point, Jay, that I think that this season is starting to take a turn for us. And I don't know if we should start talking about playoffs, maybe down the road, but, uh, but but the, the turning point of this entire season was when Gibbs and Marsman joined the club and that first game against new England in the grand scheme of things, that might have severely pissed them off, right? They did not come over to, the, to this team and get their ass beat by the New England Revolu- uh, the New England Revs. And I think from that point, they must have taken a leadership role inside of the locker room because you can start to see some of these players like, uh, you know, Iguain and, you know, even Blaze getting the start here this last match after his little, uh, you know, I don't even know what you want to call it. But I guess you can kind of start to see that that turning point happened really three games ago, and that is in the injection of Gibbs and Marsman in the starting lineup. I cannot agree more. I also think they brought in Shawcross to play a little bit of a leadership and mentorship role, although um, you know, his 
physical abilities are, are not what they used to be. And Gibbs still has obviously quite a bit of juice left in him. I mean, I thought he played phenomenal. Of course, he won the man of the match. But, um, you know, we'll go ahead and, and, and kind of discuss this, you know, layer by layer. I know that you have some talking points. But I just want to say overall – Without LGP, right, which is our, our best defender, really, um, kind of the heart of the defense, he was out on yellow card accumulation. I thought individually everyone on the back line played a very, very good game. Nico was shielding properly, getting physical without getting carded, stopped a lot of plays. McCoon coming in to fill in that role of LGP, I thought had a really good game. Lots of, of key interceptions he made. Uh, Leardam just really impressed me with his distribution out of the back. And then Gibbs, I mean, Gibbs was getting forward. Gibbs really was getting forward as a left back. And really from the very get-go, very, I think, second pass of the game, you know, goes back to Leardham and then he just launches, you know, switches the field of play, but really goes from that that RB spot all the way up to, to Robbie on the wing. And that continued to happen between Robbie and, and Leardham or Robbie and Uyoya, or Uyoya and Gibbs. And Gibbs was running over past the midfield line, and, and it was really effective because they, they had some space there. Collectively, still got to get some issues together, but like individually, really impressed with everyone on that back line. And do keep in mind, Orlando City scores goals. Mm. You know, they were without Daryl DK, but they had their full suite of players, and obviously Nani was playing pretty, pretty hard in this match. So this is not a offense like our next match of such as nashville right that is a little bit more hold the line this is a potent offense and attack and they do score goals in the in the in the last third there and you know jay one thing to touch on about leardom was how how beautiful it was to see him actually cross field right and that was something that we have lacked for a while and to see him push the ball in ways that we hadn't yet maneuvered the ball around for really a year and a half was exciting and seeing how you know gibbs brings a different type of attitude to the team, a very stoic type of attitude. But, you know, in a team that's kind of, you know, I guess infected with some of this, you know, nonsense complaining to the referees. Another thing that's glared to me recently is, is that we've kind of stopped that complaining aspect as much as we were when we were in our rut, when we were in our hole. I think that we were just blaming too many of these these variables that weren't going right on other people instead of looking at ourselves and saying, hey, we got to get better. And again, I think that that's a big contribution to Gibbs and Marsman. So hopefully this continues to roll. Unless your name starts with gone and ends with Zalo. Yes, the complaint has stopped. But I mean, he was, he was getting uh, absolutely mobbed out there but couldn't agree more i mean that goal right i mean you're talking about a left back getting all the way up the field running into the box making some solo efforts in that box that's what we need we've talked so many times on this podcast about getting the the you know right back or left back or for playing wing backs getting them forward and, and getting more into this offensive mind state it's like a lot of games we're trying to figure out what are we doing like what how do we move around the midfield and it's been a very kind of um, conservative style of play. And that's kind of how the first half started, which we'll get into. But that second half, man, you could tell like, hey, if we could actually play a full 90 minutes like this, we could be lethal. I mean, everyone Absolutely. seemed to want to get up and, and wanted to, to, to be in the attack. And, and that's something that we've been lacking. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, can I talk about, you know, just let's focus on the goalie position here specifically. Just having Nick Marsman in the goal is just an absolute relief 
you know, there isn't that kind of, oh my God, if that's gonna, if that's a shot on goal, that's gonna be a point for the op opposition. And I think that that has really helped out the confidence in our back line. And, you know, Marsman has played an important role with this whole thing. And Jada, pivot back over to Gibbs, you know, happy to see Gibbs get his first goal, but even happier to see him win the man of the match. And I think that is not going to be the last time that we see him win that award. And, you know, Jay, just got to say, man, what a relief having Nick Marsman between the goalposts has been besides our buddy, John McSee. You know, I, I had to get that McSee in there. But uh, John McSee has seen the bench and the team has definitely uh, enjoyed the fact that Nick has taken over that starting spot. But uh, let's keep it rolling, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. So uh, one of the, the main things that continually pissed me off is, is Blaze Matuidi, man. Blaze, 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 making errors right away, errors right away from the get-go. So many horrible errant passes, bad possessions, just soft passes, getting interceptions. You go to their very first goal, man. And, and you know, Kalen was pretty spot on with the analysis. Like, you, you got the, the the corner coming in. Nani's right over there. And then Matuidi's just over pissing off in the box. Like, go over there and, and make some issues. And you see Nani, Nani come in and no pressure. And he's able to get off that cross, which ultimately gets headed in and, you know, get a little, little headbutting action. Then he falls to the ground and his head bounces off the turf. Pretty nasty uh, injury. But mistakes all over the the place from a tweety and in the second half man he was gassed like he just doesn't have his legs anymore and we're, we're just going off in the discord with with all the listeners about like why is he playing why not put in federico why not put in indy for matweedy like matweedy should be one of the first people subbed off i i really think that we would have a better record this season if we had someone who was more capable in that role and i you know i, I don't want to talk too much smack but I'm looking forward to December once that contract's up and, and he's gone and, and we have a replacement because he is not what he used to be. And to be fair, you know, I'm not going to say he's a bad player, but you know, there's a reason he wasn't on the, uh, the France 2020 Euro squad. And he's played in teams that have tons of good players, which can make lesser players look great. And I, you know, I know we were happy when we first signed him, but it's a constant frustration with, with Blazeman tweeting. And I don't know what the remedy is other than keep him on the bench. The tough part about Blaze, and I got to ask you, and I'm sure I already know the answer to this, but did you take, did you have an issue with Blaze Matuidi starting after that uh, event with Pogba? I didn't really have an issue uh, with the event with Pogba. Yeah, where he left and chilled with him after halftime. Um, I didn't really have an issue because, you know, he hadn't started the thing in two games prior to that. But I do have an issue with playing him for 94 minutes. It's very similar mm -hmm. to Gonzalo. It's hard to get a 90 minutes out of Gonzalo just because of the the fitness level and the the age i just you know you're it's that's expected right that that part of being old is expected with matweedy but horrible passing horrible turnovers and it's his fault that the goal was scored and you know you, you contrast that with another veteran coming in like gibbs who played a phenomenal game and who i look forward to watching in the future but with blaze i don't think blaze should play any more than 60 minutes of any game at any given time Tough part about Blaze too is the fact that we brought him over here on a DP spot, and he's probably going to cost us three, you know, over the next few years. You know, <laughs> that whole yeah. deal and setup was really the kind of the cherry on the ice cream sundae, as we may say, 
to the whole investigation tipping over and, you know, Inter-Miami getting in some trouble. Not saying that we should have done what we did, but, you know, it's not illegal until you get caught. And we got <laughs> caught. No, I mean, um, that's true. And, you know, we are going to have two years of sanctions. They haven't started. They're coming. You see that report yeah. by The Atlantic that everyone's sharing, you know, like LGP, Pizarro, Leardam, they're trying to shop them out. They're trying to cut the, 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 their, their, their wages. You know, they need to be able to clear out a million dollars every single year for the next two years. And I just hope that we can figure it out. We need to start focusing on our academy players in, in Fort Lauderdale CF. We need Edison Escona to get some minutes. We need Valencia to get some minutes. We need Sammy Gadiri to get some minutes because we could sign them to, to low-wage contracts and be able to bridge that gap for two years. But, man, we're going to be in a world of pain if we don't figure something out quick over the next couple of years. And the tough part, too, is, is that the fact of Blaze and Pizarro losing some of that value, right? That a team is really an accumulation of assets, no matter how you look it up. And, you know, having two players that you brought in on such a high ticket price, when you look to resell them and the value of that is 50 cents on the dollar, you know, that, that that's a disadvantage for anyone who's doing business. And keep in mind, everyone, this this is very much a business. Uh, but you know who has been bringing the business recently, Jay? That is Robbie Robinson. He has been playing lights out. He has been an injection of energy in our club. And he was robbed of a goal that actually was preceding Antonio Carlos's goal, which, boy, he paid a paid a hefty fine for that goal uh, with, a, with an obvious concussion to him. Uh, that guy hit the ground limb. I hope he's okay, to be honest. I was actually kind of shocked and rubbing my eyeballs thinking like, oh, my God, are they about to put him back in the game? Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, hope he's doing all right. But you know, Robbie's been one of those players just over the last few weeks, especially when we've really picked up the pace coming back from uh, multiple reoccurring hamstring injuries, which we know how aggravating those types of injuries can be, especially for a sports star, let alone, you know, Jay or myself. But Robbie has played very, very well. He has brought the energy. And even at the end of the game, you can kind of see him taking some shots that Maybe his teammates, you know, Lewis Morgan and Gonzalo were a little bit more pressing to give them the ball. But honestly, man, I like him taking the ball and ripping a shot, dude. Like, hey, listen, we have lacked in this department for the last year and a half someone who has that aggressive attitude when he gets to the box. And if that's going to be Robbie for our club, then, hey, all the more power to him. He's a shifty little kid, isn't he, man? I, I love his, his little body face and then the decisiveness to go one way or the other, create some space. Uh, really, really happy with him. Honestly, we've had, uh, you know, there's been these periods where we regret not taking DK and we haven't really been able to, to see the production from Robbie. So to see him come back healthy and, and be able to be an outlet for Gonzalo and take some chances. Uh, I mean, beautiful solo effort to get that goal that he tried to chip it. It was, it was headed off the line. I think if he just tries to blast that hit a little worm burner, uh, that, you know, that very well could have converted for a goal. And then, you know, the second half, I saw him get knocked a couple of times. He was down for a while and I was just like, no, no, no. Like, please don't be injured. Get him out of there ASAP, Phil. Preserve him. We need him. He is uh, a talent. And, and I think that he could remedy any of the regrets that we had not taken DK once he really starts to, to get some experience and up his MLS playing ability once he gets comfortable. Really, really impressed with Robbie. Uh, cannot say enough. I think he's he's what this team's been missing. We played great opening game against LA when we had him. The six game skids basically been without Robbie. So to see him come back and start to make an impact, uh, you know, very very impressed. 
You know what I would like to see in the next few weeks is, I don't know why, man, but I would just love to see Robbie up top and, you know, maybe give Gonzalo a game off, you know, let him rest his legs. We, we know how his conditioning program is a mm. little bit more challenging than the rest of the players on the team. And give Robbie a shot up top at striker and just see what he can do. Right. And again, that's we always position. talk about yeah, that's his is. natural position. Yeah. You're absolutely right. At Clemson, that's what he was playing when he brought over here. You know, that very well might have been the position that he was playing if we didn't have Iguain on the mm -hmm. club. Iguain was acquired mid last season when Robbie was our first overall draft uh, pick at the very inception of the club. So that's what I would like to see. And regardless of if he's uh, you know on the left or in the middle, Robbie has been a true joy to watch recently. He really has. I mean, so impressed. I really look forward to seeing him him continue to grow and then his link up play with uh Gibbs down that left-hand side yeah. will be something to really keep an eye on because if they can get some sort of chemistry down, that could be the main avenue that we take to go on to the attack. Agreed, sir. I think the combination and the chemistry, more importantly, that we are learning day by day, week by week, game by game is super important to the development of this club. And we do have football right around the corner. We're releasing this podcast on Friday. We have a match on Sunday at six o'clock. It is a home game, everyone. It is a home game. So bring the noise. You know it. La Familia will be live at the stadium getting ready for this frisky battle against Nashville. Nashville, Jay, is always and forever going to be linked with Inter Miami. We were two clubs who started as an expansion team on the very same year, and that was last year. And Nashville definitely outplayed us over the course of last season. We're looking to get back more of that credibility. And Jay, how excited are you to see the club jump back on the pitch and take on Nashville this weekend? I'm very excited. Um, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think the first game we lost, second game we drew, then the third game was that play-in game where we got beat down 3-0 where I just shut off the TV and I think you went home, right? Uh, <laughs> Two teams built completely different. We were going for more of a, an attack, big name, flash. They built it from the back from a defensive standpoint. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm ready for this. They're a team. They've got six wins, uh, ten draws. That's what they're kind of known for is drawn. They only have one loss. So it, they are a tough team to beat. They do park the bus per se. Very, very strong defensive team. They try and beat you on the counter. Obviously, I think I can speak for the both of us. We really do like Randall Leal. We think he's a very talented player. And then Hani Mukhtar is really coming into his own in this league. He is um, – I, I saw the hat trick he had a couple games ago from about every – you know, I think one was right foot, one was left foot. I think one was uh, – and then the free kick. But they're not an attacking first team. They're a counterattack team. So the, the main focus here for the boys is – you know, we can't do that thing where we did first half against Orlando, come out in a 4-3-3, which we don't usually do. I like the 4-3-3, but we had a holding midfield of Blaze, Gregore, and and um, Uyoya, all defensive-minded players. If we're going to beat this team, uh, we're going to have to find a way to break down this very, very stout defense. I mean, Walker Zimmerman, obviously one of the best in the, in the league at, at defending. Uh, it's going to be a tough game. I don't see this being a high-scoring affair at all. I think if we can go up, then we've got to try and do our best to defend because they always somehow weasel in a way to draw up a game and walk home with a point. It's going to be a battle, but it's in our house with our fans, which is nice. 
And I'm looking forward to it, man. If if I'll tell you what, we're in the toughest little stretch of the season right here. I would love a win. I would love a win. That is a tall order against such a defensive-minded team. But if we can just go out there, secure a draw, keep this unbeaten streak extended, again, that's progress, and that's what we'll continue to see. But it's going to be – we can't come out like we did the first half. we got to come out, and we got to get some shots out. We're going to probably need more than 10 shots uh, to win this game, and we're going to need certainly you know, more than, uh, than two on target to win this game. But that's what I'm looking at. Totally agree with your assessment, sir. Leal and Mukhtar are two people you want on your fantasy team. There is no doubt. Shout out our boy Dylan Nealis. Didn't mean to cut you off, but shout out our boy Dylan Nealis. Yeah, well, Dylan Nealis can take an L this week, bud. But and uh, your favorite, second favorite, second most hated player, Dax McCarty. Oh, Dax! <laughs> Dax, you dirty dog. He is the front runner. For the trout. the trout Award that we will be giving out at the end of the season. Wow. Yes, he is still leading the pack very much this season. Jay, I'm glad you brought him up. But I don't know if Walker Zimmerman will be playing. Uh, he did suffer an injury in the Gold Cup in our match against Canada. So we'll see oh. if he's back, obviously. That's right. He is a bang-up player. He was the defensive player of the year last year. And talk about a big piece to fill out an expansion club you know the one point about nashville though that stands out to me beyond you know their strategy and their style of kind of sitting on the ball you know if, if you're a gambling person and i urge everyone to be gambling people <laughs> no we don't we do not we do not encourage that don't listen to this, man. <laughs> take the under on this game take the under this is definitely going to be an under match and you know jay the one thing that pops out to me is is the fact that you're right. They have only one loss to their name this entire season, and that was June 18th. So that's about two months ago against the New York Red Bulls. But if you look deeper at this, bud, they've also never won an away game. So let's not give them that first victory in an away match this season. They do not have any victories on the road. They only have ties and losses. So you know, again, this is going to be a bang them up type of game. You know, we got to we got to lace up our big boy shoes for this one. Right now, Nashville in the standings is sitting at fourth place in the Eastern Conference. And they have, Jay, do you know how many points they have here? They have rolling up 28 points. So they're averaging about 1.65 points per game. They have 28. They are sitting right in between the Philadelphia Union in the third slot and the NYCFC in the fifth slot, which keep in mind, people, we have NYCFC in our following game after Nashville. And yes, that will end the gauntlet of games that we have been going through. And in case you were wondering, Inter-Miami is still sitting in the 14th seed in the Eastern Conference with 13 still two, points. Still two games behind, though. Still two games. We we're going to cling on to that one for a while here. But uh, Toronto and Chicago are the two teams that are above them on the table, and they only have one more point. So let's do a little leapfrogging this weekend and get in front of them. Let's do it. And I think, you know, obviously no one likes losing, but we've done quite a bit of that. We're, we're actually pretty good at that. But I think something, you know, not our best thing we got going for us, but something serious that we have going for us is people view us as the worst team in the league. So go ahead and <laughs> underestimate us. Let us give us that room. Take it easy. 
don't sprint so hard. We suck, you know? Be a little lax with your passing. We're not that good. And then hopefully we can swoop in there and get a, get a winner on him. I w- man, I would love to – nothing more than love to win this game. But I'll tell you oh, what, man. I'll be very, very happy. A very close second is just a draw. I hear you, but well, maybe with that, we should just get out there when the game starts, just lay down on the on the pitch and just say, "Hey, you know, go at it, guys." But uh, we'll see how the we'll see how the team plays. It's going to be an exciting one, and you know, we'll be back with you next week. Yeah, it's been a weird schedule, obviously traveling, um, and we're trying to link up, doing it virtually, just to get the content out there. Hopefully, I know we still have to get those catch up games in, but hopefully, we can get back on a regular schedule. We just wanted to share some love. Uh, as always, thank you so much for tuning in to the Inter Miami Podcast. I'm Jay Kington, alongside mis compadre por vida, Mr. Alex Papa George. It says uh, Spanish we, at work. There we go. We'll see you guys out there at the stadium on Sunday. If you don't already, check out our social media, Facebook, Twitter, at Inter Miami Podcast. Or sorry, Facebook, Instagram, at Inter Miami Podcast. Twitter is Inter MIA Podcast. And uh, with that... We leave you as we always do. Vamos Miami. Vamos Miami.